Welcome to the First Rule of Film Club. I'm Hannah. I'm Eddie. And I'm Alex. And each week we come together to watch a film, have a chat about it and play a game. And this week we're back with a proper episode rather than a clip show. And what film are we discussing? Music and lyrics. (laughs) (laughs) What's that about? Uh, The OMD description is... A washed-up singer is given a couple of days to compose a chart-topping hit for an aspiring teen sensation. Though he's never written a decent lyric in his life, he sparks with an offbeat younger woman with a flair for words. That's weird that they mention that she's a younger woman. Yeah, mm. I never even like considered that. Yeah, the age difference isn't really relevant. Yeah. <laughs> Have you uh, seen this one before, Eddie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you guys have both seen it before, haven't you? Many, oh, so we're all, we're all like old hat. We all went into this knowing what to expect. <laughs> I'm so pleased this is on Netflix now. I think yeah. you made the point, Alex, about how no one had seen this film and then it became on Netflix and now it's one of the Hugh Grant staples. Exactly, yeah. yeah. That's what that's what we need more of in this world. It's like, I think, retrospectively, let's reclassify the classics, you know? Let's mm. say music and lyrics, let's stamp that one a classic, even though it's not really. I was actually really <laughs> surprised by how good this film was because we watched it a lot when we were kids for some reason. I don't know why. It was just always the film that was put on in the back of the car, you know, when your parents don't want you to bother them anymore. Mm. And I kind of expected it to be a bit 17 again, where you watch it and you're like, oh, this isn't so good. Like, there's some stuff in here that you wouldn't really say nowadays or, like, some Mm. problematic (laughs) storylines. Like what? Like, problematic how? Uh, No, as in, but that's why I was surprised, because it wasn't. Oh, okay, sorry. I kind of just, like, assumed that you were calling it problematic. Because it feels like it should be. Yeah, exactly. That's it. It feels like it should be wrong, but it's so right. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. I was kind of surprised that it wasn't, like, a a British film. Like, in my head, it was, like, in the same zone as Notting Hill and About Time. And I assumed it was just set in London or set in, like, you know, some little village. I forgot. It's an American film. Hugh Grant's the only English guy in the whole thing. Hugh Grant is just inexplicably English. Yeah, just randomly. Never explained why he, like, you know, lived in New York. (laughs) But, you know, fair enough. He's flying the flag for us, just, like, in all these rom-coms. In this one, it's like they don't even bother to ask why he's in America. They're just like, okay, it's Hugh Grant. Yeah go <laughs> <laughs> no one mentions that he's english he's just you know he's just there i think um it's like its own personality test you know to pick the best hugh grant film i think we could replace the myers briggs test <laughs> with like what's your favorite hugh grant rom-com because i do think what you pick says a lot about you mm. what's your favorite well it, it's tough because i think music and lyrics is is really high up I think Notting Hill, maybe? No. Notting Hill, No, maybe. Julia Roberts winds me up too much in that. <laughs> oh. The, that film is just, I don't understand. I just don't understand the conceit. Well, that's why you don't understand me, probably. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's why I'm such a mystery man to you. But yeah, I think all of his rom-coms have their own little emotional spark, don't they? And it just, very few people can agree on what the best one is. He's a bit like Tom Hanks in the sense he's been in a lot of bangers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and some real flops. Although Tom yeah. Hanks hasn't been in any, no, he hasn't been in any flops. I quite like Hugh Grant when he's playing a bit more of a baddie. You know, like in Bridget Jones or Paddington. Yeah, a bit of a douche when he's a bit kind of slimy. He yeah. does that really, really well. Because that's one thing about this film is he is a lot older than Drew Barrymore. I guess like you don't really notice it in the film because he is quite charming. 
But if it had been done less deftly or if he had phoned it in a bit more, maybe it could have been a bit predatory. Charming in a slimy way. Well, you're implying that older men can't be charming. No, I'm not. I'm saying he is charming. But I don't know. I think it, it could have been less so. Like, say Vince Vaughn was playing his character in this. Then you might oh my god! <laughs> I bet he was so their second funny. choice. <laughs> Vince Vaughn playing Hugh Grant's oh. characters in all of his films—that's amazing. Imagine <laughs> Vince Vaughn doing like the hip hop dance. Oh man, mm. that is a parallel world where I think I'd have to just you know desperately try and get some way out of there. Yeah, desperately I'd... trying to you know create some sort of interdimensional machine. Find your way I... back into yeah. <laughs> the past. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we changed something. The songs in this film are banging too. Yeah, well, I think this film like. The whole thing completely rests on whether or not the songs are good. Mm. If the songs weren't bangers, like this film wouldn't have worked at all. Yeah, yeah. I think the relationships are all really nice. It's a bit like Friends. It's a bit like watching an episode of Friends in this movie. Mm. You know how it's like there's like a tight-knit group of people that interact with each other and there's just no one else involved in this movie that's set in a city, which is always so good. It's Hugh Grant. It's Hugh Grant's love interest. It's Hugh Grant's love interest's friend. And his agent. His agent. Oh, and the person he's trying to impress. And, and like, the other lyricist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The lyricist. He keeps coming back. And that's like all you need. That's basically every character required to, to execute this plot. Yeah. Mm. I love the sister character. Mm. She is so funny. But <laughs> 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 like when she's piling all the potato onto his plate, and she's like, no, 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 you're going to want more. You're going to want more. Yeah. <laughs> Like, one of my favourite jokes is so offbeat in this movie, but it's when he, like, walks into her Weight Watchers kind of substitute shop. Wait not. Wait not, that's it, yeah. <laughs> and he asked that woman, like, how much do you weigh? <laughs> <laughs> I fluctuate. <laughs> I just think that's such a funny line. Yeah. That's the sort of thing you say when you go in someone, you just don't know what to say, and you're desperately racking your brain for something. <laughs> yeah. I love the bit as well when he's singing at the reunion and there's all these kind of like middle-aged women yeah, fangirling over him. And, yeah. and oh, it's like, yeah. it should get old, but it doesn't. It's just perfectly yeah. done. It's quite. Real. I think that's why Hugh Grant is so well cast because I bet wherever he goes, that is kind of like the audience, you know, and what it's like mm. when he walks out on stage like an awards thing. There's like, you know, hundreds of middle-aged women out there screaming at him. Mm. <laughs> In fact, I just read now, as I was looking at the trivia. Oh, yes, give me some trivia. I found a, a, a weird one. During the premiere in Amsterdam, a woman pretending to interview Hugh Grant handcuffed herself to him and ended up walking the red carpet with him. <laughs> like, I mean, like... Oh, my God. <laughs> what I find bizarre that is, like, is okay, she, she pretended to in interview him and handcuffed him, okay. But then the fact that she ended up just walking the carpet with him, so he clearly <laughs> just, like, either couldn't get away or just, you know, had no choice. But she's handcuffed to him. How could he get away? So he just has to spend the rest of his day with this random woman. <laughs> I'd like to know, like, the decision-making process that went into Hugh Grant ending up on the red carpet with this woman attached to him. Yeah. You know, like, the agent and... How many people must have okayed this for yeah. him to actually make it to the red carpet with this woman? Mm. How many people failed to separate Yeah, them? all the security guards. What can you do? Handcuffs, what can you do? There's nothing you can do to stop Do you stop think that. in the film they had to, like, sit next to each other because it's like, well, we can't yeah, separate yeah. this, so... <laughs> I wonder if they're still together. Like, yeah. <laughs> in every film, you can just see, like, you know, like she has to stand exactly behind him, but you can just see in some films that he's there. I think, actually, if you read on it, it was actually Renee Zellweger, and that's why they cast her as Bridget, yeah, because no choice, <laughs> you can yeah. separate them. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, it's just so Hugh Grant. It's kind of troubling when you think, like, you know, how terrifying it must be to be Hugh Grant in that situation. But still, you know, 
it's kind of funny. Mm. <laughs> Which song do you prefer, Way Back Into Love or Pop Goes My Heart? Pop Goes My Heart. <laughs> I just love the video. Like, I yeah. re- you can tell there's so much love for like 80s music and just kind of stupid music videos in there. And I, just, I love that sort of stuff. Yeah, sometimes I'm just sitting there and I hear Pop Goes My Heart in my head. Mm-hmm. And it's just like there, you know? It's actually on its own a banger which keeps coming back into my head somehow. Mm. It's up there with like Britney Spears' Toxic. Mm. It's just yeah. sometimes you're sat there and like the little men in your brain put on a record and it's always one of those those songs. Yeah. The the song Chorus Sings is good as well, you know, when they first meet her and she's filming the music video. Mm. Like she's a very spiritual kid. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's actually a really well judged scene. Because like it makes it even funnier as the audience member watching it being like, mm, she's kind of young and this is kind of ridiculous and it's based on religion. And then they obviously being from the showbiz world, Hugh Grant and his agent just don't bat an eyelid. They're just like totally into it kind of thing. Yeah. You can interpret it as them being like cynical by saying, oh, it's lovely to see someone exploring religion, you know, or you can just read it as they're so into that world that they just don't see that as outrageous. I think also they're quite jaded, aren't they? Because, you know, later when Hugh Grant's going on about how it's the music business and everything's just business, it doesn't really matter how good the song is at the end of the day because it's all about just selling records. Mm. But then it kind of takes Drew Barrymore to make him realise that actually you can have passion and integrity and Mm. care about your art. I like that Cora isn't like a villain in this film as well. I think the easier it would have been just, you know, she's like the new rising star. She's horrible. She's the one who kind of just, you know, gets them to, you know, do what she wants. And then, you know, you kind of expect her to betray them at the end. Mm. To be honest, my one problem with this film that I don't really buy is that at the end he goes to Cora and says, oh, no, me me and Drew Barrymore are having a bit of, you know, relationship problems. Is it all right if during your concert I just, you know, I do this like little piano song just right in the middle of your concert? Oh, that's so true. And she goes, oh, yeah, okay, that's fine. (laughs) Yeah, there's no way she would okay that. In the middle of this, you know, her kind of, you know, cool pop Shakira-esque concert, he comes on and does this really slow piano ballad that's just, it exists just for him to apologise to Drew Barrymore. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And to be fair, like the whole like conceit of him writing the song, but also having so much ownership over the song that he duets it with her on stage yeah. is like that's not what happens in the real world yeah. also the fact that at the end of the duet he's he whispers in Cora's ear something that we don't get to hear and then he just runs off stage for the rest of the song to kiss Drew Barrymore <laughs> I would be so pissed off if I was Cora I was like I would be like I thought you were professional yeah I thought yeah. you were gonna and break. I let you do your own freaking song you know yeah that is bad you know I mean it's okay but it's yeah. not, it doesn't fit this concert that's like the epilogue of this movie it's like actually <laughs> that he's just like stained his career forever yeah. by, by letting down Cora yeah oh there's some other there's one other fact that I saw as well that was really good. Hugh Grant had to be convinced to sing himself and initially wanted nothing to do with the singing parts. But after practising and performing in the studio, he then felt so comfortable with it, he announced he would perform the big concert scene live. When it was played back, he was highly amused and humbled by how terrible it sounded and then was happy to use the pre-recorded sound. <laughs> so I like how he started off, you know, going, I'm not singing, not singing. And then he, like, you know, got so into it that he decided, oh, you know, I'm just going to do it live. I'm just, you know, don't need to do it. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> like in Les Mis, you know, when they record all the sound live, mm. that's what Russell Crowe must have felt after yeah. he watched it back. Yeah, just Humbled. Like, oh God, please can I have a studio <laughs> this all recording. This into how I feel like Hugh Grant must have an internal monologue, like in movies like About a Boy, that actually does exist in his head where he sat there thinking, actually, yes, I'm, uh, I'm quite good at this. I'm quite good at this singing thing. In fact, I'm so good, I think I will perform the concert live. Yes, live. <laughs> you know, like, I bet he does have that voice in his head. Yeah. Do you know one thing that's really nice about this film that I didn't get as a kid that now on rewatch I understand? 
is it would be a really good breakup film. You know, after you've broken up with someone, you kind of just want to watch a film that's going to make you feel better because they are both so, like, cynical and they've been hurt and they're kind of broken people at the beginning, mm. but they're functional. You know, like, they're going through life and they don't see themselves as in this, like, phase of hurting. But then it's through finding each other that they manage to, like, heal. In a way, they, they find a way back into love, if they you They actually do, though. You know? Yeah. It's love lost, love found. Yeah. And the other thing that's good about Cora in this film, sorry, I was just thinking about it after you said, is that she could have so easily been a sort of love foil, where it's like... <laughs> that sounds like a great product, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> love foil. <laughs> it makes your skin so much better. Love foil. You'll love love foil. <laughs> <laughs> Move aside, cling film. Yeah. <laughs> it's time for some love foil. <laughs> love never spoils with love foil. Oh, my God. <laughs> but um, I mean more like... Hugh Grant could have sort of gotten off with Cora or there could have been a moment of misunderstanding yeah, where she walks classic. in and he's like grabbing her butt or yeah, something. Yeah, or classic, he brushes something out of her hair and then Drew Barrymore walks in just at that moment. It looks like he's like stroking her hair. But actually the whole sort of disagreement is about him not standing up for the song, which mm. is so much better. Mm. You know what, actually thinking of that, you know, the him brushing her hair thing, I actually, you know, every time I watch rom-coms from now on, I'm going to make a little spreadsheet of like <laughs> the moment that, you know, kind of, you know, messes up the relationship. Because I bet that will be there at least 20 times. You don't need a whole spreadsheet there. Just maybe like a tab <laughs> on a spreadsheet. Yeah. Even just Microsoft Word document. Yeah. <laughs> on a product placement here. Probably but, you know, Bill Gates, if you're listening. <laughs> I'm concerned now that you're just making spreadsheets for everything, Eddie, and the filing is <laughs> becoming a nightmare. Yeah. Look, this isn't a podcast. This is an intervention. Yeah. Stop okay. making spreadsheets. Okay, fine. I'll I okay. saw you bought another 10 terabyte hard drive. I just needed to, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's one of those rom-coms where it's like, we kind of grew up with it. It came out when we were quite young. If you're not of that age group, you've probably got your equivalent. You know, there'll be something mm. that came out in the 90s or the 80s. You know, that was kind of equivalent, same thing, but yeah. it was there at the right time. Bars and words or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a bit of a hidden gem though, I think, still. Yeah. Enough people haven't seen it that it's the sort of film where if you're at a party and you say to someone, oh, if you watch music lyrics and then they go no and you go Who are you? <gasps> oh my god you have to watch it <laughs> <laughs> and then they say i've got to go yeah <laughs> you okay like you kind of look like you just breathed what, in why, so much why is Hugh grant handcuffed to you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i just love him so much <laughs> oh my god quick question though which do you think is more important musical lyrics Oh, obviously, I'm going to go music. Yeah, I agree, music. I was going to say lyrics. Really? I mean, obviously, you have to have them together, because otherwise it's just a poem. Yeah. It depends what music you like, because I'm a huge fan of, like, jazz and classical, and they're just instrumental, so I would almost argue lyrics are pointless. But no, you know, I think lyrics are their own little thing on the edge. I know, for me, lyrics make a song. Like, if a song has kind of rubbish lyrics or they use a cliche or it's the first time you've heard the song and you can already tell what the next line is going to be because they're going to rhyme it with day, then that ruins the song for me. Uh, mm. For me, the the lyrics are kind of like the cherry on the top. Like, yeah. what will hook me to it, initially hook me to a song is, you know, just the, the music. Yeah. But I'm one of those annoying people who I, I just hear the lyrics wrong just all the time. So every time I sing a song, I'm just getting the lyrics completely wrong. So it's not even like when I'm hearing the lyrics, I'm not even hearing the lyrics. I'm just oh hearing God, you know, what I so think are the lyrics. annoying. I know. You <laughs> suck. You're the worst. So you have all these instruments. I think voices are just another instrument for me. You know, all these great elements to a song and it's an instrumental and that's fine. 
but it's like you could add an oboe or you could add like a voice, you know, <laughs> over the top and it would have the same effect on me, except voices have a bit of a percussive element where, you know, harsh sounds sound a bit like short and sharp, like hi-hats and stuff. And, you know, it, you can do a lot with a voice, but for me, it's just another instrument. Mm. I think lyrics are quite underused from that perspective in a lot of pop music. But there are some people who use it really well, but it's like you were just saying about the percussive element of the voice. Unless you have a really good lyricist, that's completely lost and not used. Well, that's why my third favourite genre is rap. Mm. Ultimately, rap is just like, it's kind of like voice percussion on steroids kind of thing. Like it's the best they can do at squeezing syllables in a like melodic way into all these bars and stuff. Yeah. I think it's so, so cool. But then again, it's like I'm, I'm actually not listening to the lyrics that closely in rap because sometimes they add all these little like extra syllables here and there to make it flow mm. as nicely as possible kind of thing. And that is worth more to me than the actual meaning of the words most of the time. What the way it sounds. Yeah. Mm. So the whole trinity is when it sounds good, but it also means something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, most words in a random order mean something to the human brain, don't they? Yeah. It's like I could just pick three random words like floor, stand, sit. And it's kind of like you can just imagine something in your head immediately mm. after those three words have come out. Well, and also, mm. like, loads of music that's in other languages is still really fun to listen to, even though you've got literally no idea what they're saying. Yeah. When you see most lyrics written down, like, they kind of just look pretty dumb. Because there's always, like, loads of, like, oh, 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 yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah. It's like, you know, that's the chorus. <laughs> and, like, written down, it just looks kind of stupid. I love, like, the da, 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 yeah. da. Yeah. <laughs> da, da, ra, ra, ra. Like, if you look at that written down, like, um, yeah. poke, uh, not poker face. Bad romance. Bad romance, yeah. It looks ridiculous. But we yeah. looked at the lyrics for Bad Romance the other day and we realised one of the bridges, she references like three names of like Rear Window, Psycho and another Hitchcock film. Yeah. We were like, oh my God, literally been singing this song for like 10 years, never yeah. even realised. But this is my problem with lyrics. It's not even that I think lyrics aren't important. It's just because I just don't listen to them. Because when we saw that, I was like, that actually is clever, but never would have noticed that unless I just randomly decided to Google the bad romance for the lyrics. But in some ways, that's the magic of lyrics because yeah. even if you've heard a song a million times, there's still more you can get. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I do think lyrics can elevate like an average song to like a super level. You know, I love Billy Joel and as much as I respect like his piano playing and his, you know, musicianship, I think it's, it's just really good. But he elevates for me to like superstar level because he writes the lyrics and they're just so, so good loads of artists have just like average to really good music but the lyrics just like send it up to that like timeless level somehow mm. yeah it's like rocket man by uh, elton john it's a great song because the music and the lyrics work so well together but if you took either of them in isolation it would just be like meh man yeah. listen to us we're so deep and soulful <laughs> so why thank you for joining us on the first rule of music yeah. club <laughs> little spin-off podcast <laughs> we can just talk about anything we yeah. don't have to know anything about it give we us a just, topic we can critique we'll anything smash it. i've said everything i've got to say yeah i mean that is pretty much the full depth of this movie explored <laughs> it's it's a fab film but i think that's basically it isn't it yeah it would be pointless to analyze it further <laughs> in fact it would almost be dangerous to do so yeah we're gonna need another spreadsheet about yeah. all the films we've overanalyzed yeah. right shall we rate yeah 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 alex you start oh i don't feel like i ever start and that makes me nervous because usually i base my score off what you've said 
You see, it was going to be a 7 out of 10, but because that woman handcuffed herself to Hugh Grant, it's an 8 out of 10. <laughs> Man, I was going to say 8 out of 10. I was going to raise your, like, 7 to an 8. Wow. Well, tough. Well, I was going to give it a 7, so I can give it a 7, then you can raise mine. Okay, perfect. Yeah, you go. Okay, so my rating is a 7. Whoa! Oh, man, so harsh. Uh, no, I, I think for a rom-com, it does everything pretty much right. There's not really anything bad about it. It's it's just a, it's a perfect Sunday afternoon film. It's mm. nice, classic Hugh Grant. It's not life-changing. It's not, you know, it doesn't say anything about the human condition, but it's it's a nice film. See, I'm going to go in with an eight. Oh, my God, Whoa. I can't believe you raised it. That's so mind-blowing. Booyah. Oh. <laughs> because I think... It's an example of a good idea executed really, really well. It stands the test of time. I love all the different characters. It passes the six laugh test easily. <laughs> and also you actually care about their relationship. And I mean, that sounds like damning praise, but it's like a lot of rom-coms don't even do that. I love that you apply the six laugh test. <laughs> I think the characters, like you said, are just really well made, like mm. really, really well designed. So yeah, eight. Okay, good. Right, I have a game. <gasps> it is a bit of a reprise of the Bruce Springsteen game. Okay. Oh. So that we can remember how important lyrics are, guys, and yeah. how they can tell a story. All right, yeah, yeah. Mm. But it's just using any song. Okay. <laughs> not, not limited to Bruce this time. <laughs> no. Ooh. So it is a game of Boulder Dash. I give you the song name. Oh, yeah. You have to write a description of the story in the song. Mm-hmm. And then you can get a point one of three ways. Either... You write a description that is the same as the real song description. You guess the right song description, or someone else guesses your song description. Yeah. It's less complicated than it yeah. sounds. Yeah, yeah. I have also written a real one, and also my own fake one, to make oh, it less obvious. Geez, okay, so it's going to be four. So there's four options. What, there's going to be a real one and your own fake one? Otherwise it's obvious. Do you get a point if we pick your one as well? No, no, I'm not playing. No. Because I know what all of them are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, exciting. I love this game. So we're going to start with a simple one. Mm-hmm. Goodbye Earl by the Chicks. Mm. Okay. Goodbye Earl. Option one. Two best friends conspire to successfully poison Earl. One of the women's <laughs> abusive husbands. Oh my god, this is so Eddie's. It's like there's a, there's a whole plot. There's like characters with fleshed out backstories here. <laughs> the police don't investigate very hard because it turns out everyone hated Earl. Oh jeez. <laughs> <laughs> the police is that what the police do? Like, <laughs> oh, everyone, everyone hated Hitler. We just won't bother. Like, <laughs> oh, officer, don't bother investigating the murder. No one liked him anyway. Oh, fair enough. Okay, see you later. <laughs> fair enough. Goodbye, Earl, option two. The song takes the form of a love letter arriving a year late from a man to his widow. Oh, that's quite poetic. I think that could be the right one. Goodbye, Earl, option three. Downtown worms (laughs) have all the style until one burrows too deep. (laughs) What? What? Did you just get a random generator or something? (laughs) Goodbye, Earl, option four. An English earl who, through lavish parties, gets his housekeeper pregnant. When he fires her, she steals his fortune, forcing him to sell his grand manor. Oh, that one's good. <sighs> I think that worms one is either right 
or it's a bluff by you because it's so bizarre. It's like, <laughs> oh, I think I'm gonna go for the guy whose widowed wife he's writing her a poem, a letter that's delivered late. That's it. That worms one's really annoying. <laughs> what was the first one again? Uh, oh, the murder and the f- and the police don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I mean, all of these are ridiculous, apart from the widow that yeah. <laughs> writes the letter and stuff. I surely. I'm gonna go for worms, and if the, if that was you, Alex, and that is so smart. That is like the smartest <laughs> double bluff I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> that is so smart. <laughs> I was just sat here right in the way, and I was like, you know what would be funny? Like stylish worms. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw a worm downtown, strutting down the street. Downtown worms. Downtown worms <laughs> have all the style. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Eddie's going for the worms. Yeah. <laughs> I still can't believe that. And Alex is going for the uh, the love letter. The answer is actually Earl, who was poisoned, oh, and the police can't be bothered to investigate him. Oh, no. Such I was thinking about that. So the Worms one was Alex, oh. and the Love Letter one was Eddie. So you both get a point, because you voted for each other's. Oh, okay, well that's quite, <laughs> it's quite equitable. Yeah. Right, the next one is called Love Vigilantes by the New Order. I'm kind of sceptical that this one has a, a plot at all. Mm. This one will be interesting, because I think Love Vigilantes is already quite specific. Mm. It's quite a good name for mm. something. I don't know, to me it's a little bit corny. Love Vigilantes, option one. Mm -hmm. Two broken-hearted individuals conspire to destroy their exes' lives, ultimately wasting the love they could have had together. Isn't that the same as what the previous one was? Two exes tried to poison... No, they weren't exes, they were best friends. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Option two. A jock and a nerd in love are sick of taunts from fellow classmates. So they go on a killing spree, oh. exacting revenge on anyone who tries to censor love. Jeez. Oh, yeah, Jesus I think Christ. I'm going to vote for that one. Option three, masked heroes deliver, even if you don't really need them. Mm, very cryptic. Option four, a soldier gets his discharge orders and heads home, only to find his <laughs> wife in grief because he's actually dead. Oh. <laughs> Jeez. Oh my god, that is really weird. How does that turn into a song? <laughs> like, where's the tune? Yeah. Like, the thing is, like, someone gives me that idea. I'm like, oh yeah, no, I know, I know, a great tune for that. You yeah, know, it's gonna be great. Yeah, let's make a song. I'm coming home, <laughs> but not really. Cause I'm, I'm actually dead. dead, but I haven't realized it yet. Yeah, no, I don't think that. Surely, I mean, kudos if that is correct, because writing that song is hard work. Mm. So the options are. The two lovers who destroy their exes' lives. The jock and the nerd in love who kill their classmates. The masked heroes who deliver even if you don't really need them. And the soldier who comes home but realises he's actually dead. I think I'm going to go for the nerds. Is it a nerd and a jock? Uh, yeah. Because I think that could be like a punk. Like He was I mean, a nerd. Mm-mm, she was a mm-mm. jack. Can I make it any more obvious? Yeah, I think I can imagine a song going down that road. Ready? I think the soldier one. No. Oh, my God. So Alex is going for the jock and the nerd, and Eddie is going for the soldier. I can tell you the answer is actually... 
the soldier who heads yeah. home and finds out he's actually dead. Oh my god. That's and crazy. Don't worry, Alex, you didn't give Eddie a point because the jock and the nerd one was me. Oh, thank mm. God. I was gonna say I'm dead oh. in the water if that's if that's what happens. You ready for the next one? Yep. Yes. Yep, let's do it. The next one is Alice's Restaurant by Arlo Guthrie. Mm. Oh yeah. Are you ready? Yeah. My brain's starting to get tired. The quality is definitely dropping. It's not easy to fabricate whole songs, is it? Mm. Mad respect for lyricists. It's made me appreciate Drew Barrymore a lot more, actually. Yeah, same. Alice's Restaurant. Option one. Two friends meet up at Alice's Restaurant after Thanksgiving and set off to find somewhere to dump their rubbish from the night before. All the tips are closed because of Thanksgiving, so they throw it off a cliff. Later, one of them is refused to enlist as a soldier because they found his name on an envelope in the trash. What? How many soldiers? <laughs> Jesus, the soldiers been a theme here. It's so convoluted. Yeah, that is. How do you even get? How do you get that into three verses? Alice's restaurant, option two. Kept waiting at a dinner for two, a woman wonders what could have been. <laughs> <laughs> Alice's restaurant, option three. Alice opens a restaurant that offers free meals. To couples who break up during dinner. It's kind of like the Heartbreak Hotel. Oh no, I'm thinking of Heartbreak Avenue. <laughs> when I get to Heartbreak Avenue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not that one. <laughs> right, Alice's Restaurant, option four. The song weaves together multiple stories about people <laughs> in Alice's Restaurant, including <laughs> a man who was abducted by aliens and a former beauty queen. That's just oh. two of the things it weaves together. God, this game is taxing. <laughs> this is really this hard. This is taxing. It's oh. really hard because it's like a lot of these, it's kind of like when you first hear the title, your brain cycles through all the possibilities. Yeah. And that was one of them for me. It was like, you know, loads of different stories in the restaurant. This is what it's probably like being Doctor Strange or something, mm. just seeing every possible yeah. future. Mm. It's kind of hurting my head. Yeah. So the options are the friends who throw the trash off the cliff. Yeah. The person who was kept waiting at a dinner for two, the restaurant that offers free meals to couples who break up during dinner, mm. and the song that weaves together multiple stories. Based on what we've already had, I feel like it has to be either the horrible convoluted first one, because I just don't believe Eddie would write something that long, <laughs> but maybe he would. And then the last one as well, because it's kind of like, how are you weaving those together? Like That's just not a rational person's thought process. Mm. I think it's probably the first one, just because the, the double soldier thing is, is getting to me. I think that might be... Either Hannah's written that, or that's a, that's the truth. Yeah. I think I'm going to go for that as well, just because that's so off the wall. Well, good news. The correct one is the soldiers throwing the yeah. trash off. <laughs> it was just too long. Like, it, was yeah. just, it was like a Wikipedia article. Because yeah. <laughs> it had nothing to do with the restaurant, really. No, well, apparently this song is actually 20 minutes long. Oh, jeez, oh, that, that makes sense. sense. I did skim the lyrics a little bit, but I'm pretty sure that's what happens. <laughs> Skimmed the lyrics. Right, this is the last one. The scores on the doors are Eddie has three points and Alex has two. Ooh, that's tight. But it's double points for the final round. You got it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> In any of your, like, quizzes or competitions, there's no point actually, like, trying until the final round because it always comes down to a decider. I just like the Jeopardy. Yeah. No, me too. <laughs> <laughs> right, this one's called The Strange Case of Frank Cash and the Morning Paper. 
Oh my God. By T Bone Burnett. Jeez, the title itself is intimidating. Yeah. <laughs> the final round, turbo round. All <laughs> to play for. For all the marbles. The strange case of Frank Cash and the morning paper. Frank reads the morning paper and discovers that it contains his own obituary written in verse. Mm. The obituary is sung to him out loud by a man-sized goldfish. <laughs> that is troubling. Okay. That is troubling. It's always like the final detail. <laughs> yeah, it's always a giant goldfish, isn't it? <laughs> that is such a cliche. The strange case of Frank Cash and the morning paper. Frank is hit in the head by a newspaper being delivered. When he wakes up, he no longer speaks English, but he can communicate with animals. He uses his newfound powers to make money as a circus act until his disgruntled animals revolt and kill him. <laughs> okay, is this another 20 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> I quite like that one. That yeah, one could be right. That is good. I, was think, I was thinking down that avenue as well, the, mm. the guy getting knocked out by a paper. Yeah. The strange case of Frank Cash and the morning paper. A down-on-his-luck hustler realises... <laughs> <laughs> Just that phrase, a down on his like hustler. <laughs> There's something so iconic about that phrase. So American about that. Yeah. A down on his luck hustler realizes that his newspaper lists the football scores for next week's games. Oh. He mm. makes so much money that he moves into a mansion only to find his newspaper at the new house doesn't show the future scores. Mm. Oh, that's annoying. I see. The thing is, you've read, you've you've seen Back to the Future, so I think you could just come up with that one out of thin air, Hannah. <laughs> Wait, trying to say I'm not original? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the last one. Frank and the paper switch places as the paper reads Frank and lives out what we would consider to be his life. Oh, that is strange. That is strange. <laughs> so, oh, I like that. <laughs> to summarise, the first one is. It contains his own obituary, read out to him by the goldfish. The second one is that he can communicate with animals, but the animals rise up and kill him. The third one is that his newspaper tells him the football scores, um, so he moves to a mansion, but then his newspaper stops doing it. And the last one is that him and his paper switch <laughs> places. <laughs> this is challenging, because I think basically the first one, although it's super wordy, could be right, because we've had some long ones. Mm. Wait, which was the goldfish one again? Was that the second one? That was the first one. Oh, sorry, the goldfish one was that was intriguing. But him being knocked out by a newspaper was also intriguing. Hmm, I don't know. What what are you thinking, Eddie? <laughs> don't forget, guys, it's double points. Okay? I know. That's why I'm so nervous about this one. Yeah. They all actually I think all of them have their own Even the one you wrote. Yeah. <laughs> well yeah, but I'm not gonna say what that is, am I? <laughs> I'm not going to say these three. It could be, it could be these. Three. Okay, I'm going to go for the one where his pets rise up and try and kill him. <laughs> Ooh, that's a strong choice. I think it, just so that, like you know, there's an opportunity to win, I have to pick something else. So probably go for the goldfish scenario. Okay, I can tell you that the strange case of Frank Cash and the morning paper was actually. That he was a down on his luck hustler, oh. and his newspaper told him the scores of next week's game. Oh, oh no. my god! See, I was like you, Alex. I was so sure that was you, Hannah. For some reason, that was just <laughs> there like... was something about that plot that was just like, <laughs> yep, yep. 
Yeah, Hannah wrote that. <laughs> Something about a down and out hustle. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's why Hannah's such a good songwriter. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Can mimic the best. <laughs> so neither of oh no, Eddie got a point Sorry, because you guessed both. goldfish. Oh no. Yeah. Wait, did I fall for Alex was then? No, you didn't. Yeah, that was mine. Oh, no, mine was that the paper reads. <laughs> I, I was so sure that was you. Like that was just exactly the sort of thing. I was just I like scribbled out two of my previous ideas because they were just such crap. <laughs> I was sat there thinking, oh, maybe like it's a commentary on how bizarre it is that Frank is sat here reading a paper. But then yeah. I was like, that's rubbish. That's yeah. that's not that's not a, that's not good enough. That's yeah. not gonna win. <laughs> I do like the idea of a it paper reading him though. The thing I like about um, those kind of titles is the paper could have been such a small part of the song, but just because mm. the strange case of Frank Cash and the morning paper sounds good. Yeah, mm. I think that's the hard thing is you have to try and get outside of the title in a weird way. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like if you, if it's all about what the title was, then it's obvious that you've just written it. Yeah, yeah exactly. But if it's about <laughs> worms, then... <laughs> well, uh, the worms was a bit of a mess up on my part. But... Mm. That's true, though. I mean, like, what was that one called again? Like, what... What song title were we doing there? <laughs> what song title inspired Worms? Yeah. Oh, it was Goodbye Earl. <laughs> oh, you see, there you go. Because I actually, I thought maybe the Worms called Earl, but like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> he might be, he might not be. He's a stylish worm. He might be a Earl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, well done, Eddie. You won that game. Yeah. I know what to work on for next time, though. Mm, worms yeah more I mean, worm ones and then I'll, 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 I'll <laughs> more songs sinker. about worms basically yeah. if I'm gonna yeah. win <laughs> right so what are we doing next week next week we're watching Little Women directed by Greta Gerwig and it's gonna be amazing so if anyone wants to get in touch with us to let us know what sort of stories they think all those songs should have had how can they do that they can email us at filmclubrules at gmail.com or you can phone us on 797575 <laughs> Or you can follow us on, on Instagram at Film Club Rules. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, perfect. So we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.